Now, back to the Gary Paris Show, live from the Built Ford Tough Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Going to dive into the Matt Barnes story in the next segment. Then at 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins will join me just like always. But right now, DraftExpress.com, the best NBA draft website around. The man who runs it is Jonathan Gavoni. He's here right now. Let's make him the big interview. Award-winning columnists and authors, athletes, the biggest names in sports. It's the Gary Parish Show. Big interview. Presented by Bank of Bartlett on 92.9 FM ESPN. Jonathan, it's Gary Parrish. How you doing, man? Doing great, Gary. How about yourself? Everything's perfect. I really appreciate you being here. And I guess I wanted to talk to you about a variety of things, but starting with uh, Scalabissier, who, of course, went to high school here in Memphis. He's now a freshman at Kentucky and obviously hasn't been playing well. Really, he's had some moments that have been positive, but for the most part, it has been a disappointing freshman season on the court so far. And this led to uh, one of our buddies, Adam Zagoria, quoting an anonymous NBA scout over the weekend that called Scal, among other things, a mock draft myth, a fraud, and said he wouldn't even go uh, 51st in the NBA draft, which I think you and I both uh, agree is is kind of silly. But I'm just curious, um, from your perspective, talking to NBA people and then in your own evaluations, because you're one of the very best at this, um, where are you on Scalabissier right now? I think everybody's somewhat disappointed in the way that he's played so far. Me personally, I'm not shocked by it, considering just how little basketball this guy has actually played in his career so far. He did not have a normal um, upbringing in Haiti. He started playing basketball late. He came to the States. He had some injuries um, earlier in his high school career, and then he you know, became ineligible as a senior. So this guy is really taking his first steps as a basketball player right now, and there really isn't a more difficult place to do that at than at Kentucky. I mean, the pressure there is unbelievable, and you can see that he's really, really struggling with it. Um, he he looks nervous. He looks tentative. He's thinking way too much. And that's just not the same guy that we saw in other settings. For example, at the Nike Hoop Summit last year, not just in the game itself where he was phenomenal, um, you know, arguably outplaying Ben Simmons in that game, um, you know, a lot of people felt like he outplayed him during the entire week. He was definitely better than than Thawne Maker, than Czech Diallo. Um, you know, there were a lot of very highly touted guys in that game. Um, you know, he, he went up against Ivan Rabb, um, you know, Steven Zimmerman, all these guys who are, you know, being projected as lottery picks. He clearly outplayed them over the course of the week in front of, you know, a barrage of NBA scouts. A hundred plus people were there. So, I think that it's slightly alarming to see the way that he he's playing 12 games, and he actually started off okay, but he's been struggling lately. But I do think that down the road he's going to be fine, and I I, I think that uh, I read what that guy, um, you know, that lower level scout told um, Adam Segoria. I think it was uncalled for. I think it was just you know it's just one of these things that you see these days. People need to get clicks. Um, you know, I mean that's kind of how you get you know how you able to stand out in this day and age of the internet. And, I mean, obviously that guy is not anybody notable. He wouldn't be giving those quotes to Adam Zagori if he were. You know, most good NBA people, they keep their thoughts themselves. The ones that run to guys like Adam, you know, trying to, 
you know, they want to get their voice heard because nobody's listening to what they say, and that's why he's going after the mock drafts and all that. I mean, it's it's very predictable, and we you know we see it all the time, and it's honestly it's nothing alarming to me. We're talking to DraftExpress.com's Jonathan Gavoni here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Yeah, like the, the quote, and for people who haven't uh, um, seen them yet, you can find them on uh, Adam Zagoria's blog. It uh, They were oddly harsh, but I wasn't even bothered by the harshness as much as it was just silly. You know, it was just the idea that, okay, Scal might not go first in the NBA draft. That That's a reasonable thing to say. He might not go in the top five of the NBA draft. That's a reasonable thing to say. But acting like he's a fraud and isn't going to be picked anywhere uh, in the top 50, like that's actually a quote. He wouldn't go 51st. Like that just seemed uh, over the top and, and just dumb. And I, I can't imagine that's a, a reflection of what NBA people actually think. No, I don't think so. And, you know, sometimes you hear these old school scouts, they go to one game, Oh, this guy stinks. I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. Right. And then the next game, they, you know, they go to and they see the guy play again. Oh, my God, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, so you see that a lot in, in the scouting community, not among, you know, the better scouts, but you do see that at times. And, you know, if I wrote everything that every scout told me, I mean, it would be horrible. Right. I mean, there would be some incredibly awful things. But I, I just, you know, we don't do that because it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, you have to understand these guys. Think about if you're an NBA scout and a low-level regional guy, you know, someone that is stuck going to this game the day after Christmas. You know, it's a noon (laughs) game on the day after Christmas. So this guy had to fly in on Christmas Day the night before, left his family. Um, You know, this guy is is not on the, the highest level of scouts here. He's sending out report after report to his NBA GM, probably not being read, not having his voice heard. This is where you can kind of make your mark, you know, as a scout. You know, someone gives you a platform. You can trash this kid as much as you want. And, um, you know, and whatever happens, happens. You know, it's not going if, to – if he's wrong, nobody's going to remember because nobody knows who said it. Talking to Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com here on 92.9 FM ESPN. So, like you said, it's clearly in Scal's head at this point. That seems undeniable. How much of his struggles, if, it, if any, is related to the idea that maybe – Kentucky, and I guess specifically John Calipari, isn't playing Scal in a way that allows him to take advantage of his talents. In other words, when I've seen him at his best, he looks like a pick-and-pop four, let him operate in space, and yet Cal has a history of really wanting his bigs to be bigs. And I just, even though Scal's seven feet tall, I don't know that he's, um, he's actually a traditional big that should be playing around the rim. Is it possible that um, he's struggling because they're not putting him in the best position to, to succeed. Well, I think it's, it might be more due to the fact that the guys that are around him maybe aren't, you know, they don't compliment him perfectly. Right. I mean, that might be part of it, but I, I do think it's, I do think it's more, it's more on Scal. If Scal were, you know, in Kentucky practices, making three pointer after three pointer after three pointer, I have no doubt that John Calipari would let him shoot threes during the game. He desperately needs that. Kentucky has zero shooting. They have no spacing at all. It's very, very easy to guard. And the, way, the reason that they beat Louisville was because they made 50% of their threes, which is just it's never going to happen uh, on a consistent basis. So um, I, I do think that there's something to be said for that. But Scow is, you know, as much as I love him and I want to stick up for him, I do think, I mean, he's struggling badly offensively. Sure. He can't even catch the ball half the time. He's thinking way too much. 
he's not reading the way that things are happening. I mean, he probably has like two or three assists on the season, you know, in, in, in a couple of hundred minutes. So I think that just experience-wise and his feel for the game, it just isn't there yet. I do think it'll get better as the season moves on and certainly as his career moves on. But I think that I think that Scal probably himself would, would have to take some of the blame for the way he's playing. No question. Talking to Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. Last thing on Scal, and then we'll switch topics a little bit, bounce around. Um What's the floor for him if there is such a thing when it comes to the NBA draft? We have watched guys struggle in one year of college, turn pro, and still be you know, top 15 picks, top 20 picks, first-round draft picks. Is there any scenario, barring injury or red flags, where he actually falls, like out of the lottery, where he actually falls out of the first round? Or is it somebody is going to just simply be in love with the things that we've seen over the past couple of years, a legit 6'11 kid who can, you know, uh, reasonably take jump shots even if he isn't making them consistently in Kentucky right now. Oh, where is he at risk of really free-falling the way, I don't know, Josh Selby did once upon a time? I think it depends on his medical examinations. I think that's the big key for him. We saw Perry Jones right. really, really struggle in college. Another guy who was a top-rated recruit who just was not productive whatsoever in college was prob- probably a bust. He fell to 27th in the draft, not so much because of that, but because of the fact that he was medically red flagged for his knee. They said that he, you know, he had major concerns that his knee wasn't going to hold up over time, and lo and behold, he has had some knee injuries. So I think that that could be, you know, that could be the only thing that could really drop him kind of to the end of the round because I think for for Scal to fall, other players are going to have to rise. And we're just not seeing other guys rising right now. I mean, I'm really struggling with my mock draft because once you hit about 9 or 10, there really is not a lot there. I mean, we're talking about guys that, best-case scenario, are going to be backups in the NBA, and that's not what you're hoping for at that point in the draft. So for him to fall you know, outside of the lottery, outside of the top 20, I mean, he's going to have to be a lot worse than this. And also he's going to have to have – some very serious red flags attached to him, which by all by everything I've heard, that's not the case. But until, you know, he goes MRIs and doctors and all that, you don't know. I mean, every, every prospect has that possibility of being a red flag. It's obviously not just scout. So that could be something that I could see maybe hurting his stock, but that would be very surprising. Bouncing around a little bit, Ben Simmons now projected by most people to be the number one pick in the draft. You mentioned him earlier. He's the star at LSU, does he project as a star in the NBA or just a really good NBA player? Hat? What's the? And again, we're, it's a guessing game on some level, an educated guessing game, but a guessing game still. But you know, your best guess on what Ben Simmons' career looks like ten years from today? Well, I don't think that there's a LeBron James in this draft, so it depends on what you mean by star. I think you know Ben Simmons. To draft for hell today, he's going number one. But I don't really think that we've really learned that much about this guy yet. I mean, if you look at the type of competition that LSU has played, their strength of schedule is in the 300. They may not have played a single NCAA tournament team yet. So I think what we're really going to learn a lot about LSU and Ben Simmons is next week when they play uh, Kentucky at home. They have a game, I think it's um, Tuesday 4th or the 5th, and that is probably going to be the first time that LSU plays any legitimate competition outside of possibly Marquette, which is a game that they lost. So I don't, honestly, I don't, 
have a great feel right now for how good of a player Ben Simmons is yet because we haven't seen him against anybody. What about Diedrich Lawson here in Memphis? He was a guy who reclassified, um, is a freshman now, should be a high school senior, um, but is really performing. I'm curious how much you've seen of him and what you make of him as an NBA prospect. I've watched um, a little bit. It's another team that really has not played too many teams. I watched the Oklahoma game. I watched the Ohio State game. Um, He's looking a lot better than he did in high school, that's for sure. I wasn't that high on him going into college. Um, you know, I thought he's going to be a guy that spends at least a couple of years in school. I mean, nothing wrong with that, clearly. Right. But um, he's um, clearly exceeding expectations, especially considering the fact that he just turned 18 years old, you know, like two months ago. This guy obviously should be um, a senior in high school. He's, so he's he's doing a really good job so far. be interesting to see, you know, how things look, um, you know, once they really get into the meat of their schedule. And then down in Starkville, Mississippi, last thing, Malik Newman, another you know five-star recruit, McDonald's All-American, projected by most to be a one-and-done guy. But um, he hasn't been great. His team's not good, and he hasn't been great. Um, are, are we sure he's a one-and-done player, Malik Newman, down in Mississippi State? No, not, and we're not sure at all. I mean, when you start talking about guys who are, you know, 6'2", 6'3", that aren't really point guards, um, you know, all bets are off, right. you know, when, they, when they're not playing well. I mean, he's starting to pick things up a little bit lately, but, again, the, they haven't really played anybody, and, um, you know, he didn't look good when they did. So he looked really bad in that Miami game. He did not look very good against Florida State. And other than that, you know, it's just a bunch of, you know, 300 RPI strength of schedule teams. So it's another guy. You know, that's what's challenging sometimes about, you know, evaluating the draft is that, you almost have to throw it in like the first two months of the college season out the window because these teams are afraid to play anybody. And so how do I evaluate Malik Newman when he's going up against, you know, Northern Colorado? I mean, it's just, it's pointless. No, I'm with you. And it's one of the most frustrating things about covering college basketball as well is like, if you look at Kentucky's schedule, just to take one team, uh, they've been like basically 15 to 20 point favorites in every, in like, you know, 85% of their games so far this season. So typically, November, December, you get spot games here and there. But for the most part, it's bad competition, bad competition. That's Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. If you're not following his website, uh, really clicking on it daily to get up-to-date draft news, uh, you're missing out. Do that, DraftExpress.com. Jonathan, thanks for being here, buddy. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, Gary. Talk soon. Jonathan Gavoni from DraftExpress.com. And I think he and I are on the same page with Scal. Clearly not playing well. But the idea that he wouldn't go 51st in the record, get out of my face, unless he has a medical red flag or some sort of personal red flag, and I don't think the personal red flag exists. I mean, he's a, he's a lottery pick. If only because you got to pick somebody. And at his worst, he's still a seven-footer um, with a natural jump shot. And in an ever-changing NBA where you know forwards who can shoot are valued, well, he fits perfectly into that. So, listen, not playing well, but if we held a draft tonight, he'd be picked in the top ten. As bad as he's looked recently, we held a draft tonight. Scalabis here, he'd be picked in the top ten. Be back in just a second. Going to dive into Matt Barnes' suspension story.